It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt and Kyler with another week of reflection on Georgia Bulldogs football and poor life decisions. All right, welcome back. It is another week of that show you're tuning into. And what is that show? It's called The Dogs on Top, even on Bottom Podcast, as we call it, the D-O-T-E-O-B. It's a show about Georgia football. It's a show about college football. It's a show about life. And of course, I've got my P-I-P, my partner in podcasts, my P-I-L, my partner well, no, my PFL, my partner for life in this thing. I was about to say PIL, but you know what? That is just and only. Anyways, before I fumble this any worse, getting back to football. KC, how was it? Speaking of life, uh, you saw one of our good friends get married. Shout out to you, Gordo. Yeah, uh, things are going good. You know, I was able to spend some time down at Baldhead Island, catch up with uh bunch of fellow dogs and uh you know get to celebrate you know two good friends and you know it was a special time but had some time there to catch the catch the dogs this weekend so yeah happy to to get away with the w this weekend um and you know kind of keep that that winning tradition in georgia the the longest winning streak in the country alive um how was your weekend man it was good. It was good. You know, not as good as yours, but uh, got to watch a lot of college football, a ton of college football. And in addition, uh, was at a reunion, not my own reunion, but the ballpark hosted a reunion. So, you know, fun to see other people having fun seeing each other. It was a 50th reunion of Grimsley High School. Some of y'all on the podcast may have heard of Grimsley because our very own Jamal Jarrett is from there. But yeah, so, you know, no complaints on this end. And as I say, I got to watch a ton of football even during the event. It was pretty low key. So uh, yeah, no, no, no complaints whatsoever. Now, Let's get right into it and let's talk Georgia before we get to the rest of what's going on around the college football landscape. We we won. Some people would call it an escape. Uh, once again, coming from behind against Auburn, uh, just as we did against South Carolina, it was a 27-20 to 20 victory for the Bulldogs. Takeaways, Kyler, from the victory at Jordan-Hare. Yeah, I mean, it was great to, you know, like I mentioned, uh, you know, get a win in a in a rivalry game, you know, electric atmosphere like Jordan Hare has, the you know, the voodoo that, that happens there is undeniable. But, you know, I, I'm just pleased to get out of there with a win. Uh, but I think that the, the two main, you know, takeaways or, or things that, you know, are, are glaring with the dogs that they have to work on are, you know, obviously, A, um, their, their rush defense, and then also running the ball themselves. Um, you know, I'll start with the defense a little bit, just kind of some of my concerns that I saw out there and everybody in the world probably saw as well what was Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford kind of running wild all over our defense. You know, there's definitely – definitely isn't the same defense that, that we're, you know, accustomed to the past, you know, four, five years. But it, it was difficult to, to watch and just see them, you know, rip off some, you know, explosive plays in the run game um, with Auburn. But the, the plays that, that were getting the most success were these. They have four tight ends on the field, four tight end personnel. You don't really see a, a lot of that, but uh, they were pulling around tight ends and, and washing down and 
I felt like our, you know, outside linebackers um, on those plays um, that Peyton Thorne kind of ran crazy on, they didn't do a good job of, of striking blockers that were crossing their face. Um, and then, you know, poor recognition from, you know, our, our inside linebackers. When you see all those tight ends kind of pulling out, you, you kind of know that the, which direction that the play is going. And so you've really got to take off and, and, and try to meet him at the sideline. But, you know, it, it wouldn't be as far to go if we were, you know, striking blockers um, that, that are pulling. So, I mean, I'm kind of talking about Chaz Chambliss, talking about, you know, Marvin Jones, want to see them do a better job of, when those guys are pulling outside, we've got to do something, disrupt them, strike them, do something to, you know, force the play inside. And so that was a little bit troublesome. And then, uh, you know, in the secondary, I thought that we we played a good game. Malachi had a, had a big interception. I thought Dalen Everett had some big plays out there in coverage. We're still missing some, some tackles out there, taking some bad angles, talking about Tyke and, and Javon Bullard, who, who are both outstanding players. And by no means am I saying that that. Either one of those guys need to be benched. They're, they're leaders on, on our defense and, and, and critical to, you know, us, you know, winning another championship. But definitely, you know, some things to kind of clean up on, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I've got full confidence in, in Kirby and his staff to do that. But, but it is a glaring issue, you know, knowing who the opponent is next week and, and what that opponent did to, um, to Florida. So it's def- definitely important for us to get back to the, you know, the doctor's office, get, get some of these things cleared up. But, you know, kind of what were your thoughts on, on the defense? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the bottom line is our run, our ability to stop the run is just not where it has been in the past. I saw, I believe it was Joe Klatt tweeted out or Instagrammed a stat that was saying that we were the top three in run stop, uh, you know, and just run defense uh, in the country over the last four seasons, I think, in this fifth season, I think it's uh, dating back to like 2018, 2019. We're right now 67th in the country. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, the lack of a really dominant defensive tackle uh, who can just basically sit in there and, and allows your other defensive players, especially your ends, to kind of roam and kind of have that ability to play maybe a little bit back because they – command such attention that it frees up uh, a lot of players on your team to go out there and make those open field tackles. Um, we just don't have that this year. It, that's the bottom line. And well, we can get pressure from a lot of different places, that does make it difficult. I heard folks talk about another thing, which is the fact that Georgia hasn't jumped out into big leads. And while our offense, I do believe, is methodical, the thing that we have been missing are explosive plays. And I think that though that's been the real difference between I think this year and previous seasons is teams are sticking around and they're sticking to the run and they're kind of wearing us down, which is something, uh, you know, it's not new for Georgia, but something maybe new for at least the last few years when talking about Kirby smart teams. So I think it's a bit of, of all that, um, and as well, you know, maybe our linebackers aren't just quite as good as as we've had in the past, at least. And maybe it's not that. It's just we don't have somebody like a Roquan Smith who back, I feel like the last time that maybe our defense wasn't quite as dominant up front, we had him. And, I mean, you look at him, he's the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. I mean, the guy is an absolute monster and all those things. <laughs> so, so it covered up a lot of, I feel like, 
what would be deficiencies. And so we don't remember it that way. We remember in a dominant defense, but maybe it was just having like an absolutely dominant linebacker. And while we have good linebackers, we have NFL quality linebackers. None of them are to that level. And you combine that with the lack of defensive tackle presence. And I was even thinking about it today with Bayer Alexander and the fact that uh, you can argue, I don't necessarily know what he's done at USC and you can argue if he was a really good fit for the program, but certainly uh, you, these guys that are these six, eight, six, nine, like these just massive men aren't, don't grow on trees. And I was kind of thinking about it compared to wide receivers and how we were able to go get Dominic Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas. Yes, maybe don't completely replace A.D. Mitchell, but it's much easier to replace that position than it is D-tackle, bottom line. But that's kind of how I feel. And that's not to say that our offense isn't going to take a step forward. And I do think that they can alleviate things. And I do think we started to see something as they started to let Carson Beck kind of just let it rip because our run game is not what we want it to be. I think we got some tough yardage, but I still think that it's not as dominant as it's been. And we really are going to have to kind of just take whatever training wheels we've had off Carson Beck and let him out there and go for it. Um, and, and for the most part, I mean, they listen, he missed a deep ball to Oscar Delp that could have been a touchdown, but I do think that, I mean, I was quite frankly really impressed by Carson Beck, his moxie, and I really hope that we see him maybe take it to the next level against Kentucky in a much more less hostile crowd. I think that um, this is really his opportunity to, I feel like, take it yeah, to, to that next level. But in order to do that, he definitely needs to improve on hitting the deep ball um, but, but yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on the offense as we kind of switch it to the other side? Yeah. I mean, real quick on the defense, Jalen Carter is, is a once in a lifetime kind of talent. Um, and, and he was terrific, um, for us as a Georgia Bulldog when, when he was able to play, but, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, our, our fan base kind of thinks that that's, that's the main reason, you know, for our, our lack of success against the run right now. But, you know, Jalen Carter, you know, wasn't really there for a ton of games um last year um you know when he was healthy yeah he was great he was fantastic and you know it was a noticeable difference but you know the, the guys that were playing were the same guys that are playing this year you know with zion Logue, uh warren brinson nazar stackhouse like, those are the guys on the inside that were um you know playing when he was out and they stepped up to um you know to the bell and and you know were making plays but uh you know one difference you know when when Jalen Carter was not in there was that we also had Nolan Smith out there on the edge, a guy that you know, played it better than anybody. And so I, I do think it is some of our edge play that that's, you know, more of the the factor than, um, you know, those guys on the inside, not being as able, not being able to wreak as much havoc um, there on the inside. So that that's um, something that I think can get corrected. I think Marvin Jones is a very talented kid that, you know, can kind of mimic that role that, Nolan Smith had and, and Chaz Chambliss has, you know, I, th- I think that he's got a long way to go, but the kid plays hard out there. And so, you know, the, I think that's more so where we need to clean up and, and, you know, also inside linebacker, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, pop and, uh, and CJ Allen are, are the two guys that we have kind of running side to sideline on, on these kind of, uh, you know, 
plays that we saw, you know, drawn up by Hugh Freeze. And so they've got to be a little bit more instinctive and reactive to, to what they're seeing in front of them, believe in, in what they're seeing and, and going out there and making a tackle. Um, and then you've also got guys like, you know, Xavier Sawyer when he goes on the outside. He's not striking blockers. He's reading plays wrong. But, you know, so he'll make, you know, um, like a, a play where you're like, holy cow, like, what was that? That was amazing. And then he'll be like, dude, what are you doing out there? So, um, you know, I, I think that that outside linebacker, I think that that's where we need to kind of look to to, to improve the defense and, and how effective we are against the run. But but yeah, to flip it over to the offensive side of the ball, this is this is where I, I get get a little bit more heated, a little bit more passionate. You know, if it wasn't for two players on this offense, we would not have won this game on Saturday. Carson Beck, I'm adding him to that list. Um, I, I don't care what any of our fans, you know, are out there saying. And Brock Bowers, obviously, that that's the given. Um, you know, best tight end to ever play football. Maybe maybe the best player all around um, in football this year. You know, I'd, I'd argue Caleb Williams is right up there with him with what he's able to do with his arm. But but Brock and Carson are um, you know are the reason that we won this game. Um, you know, Carson Beck uh, on the interception that that was thrown to Marcus Rosemi. It was just. Uh, Thought it was a really good play by by Jalen Simpson um, for Auburn, who you know now leads. I'm pretty sure leads the SEC, maybe the nation in interceptions. Uh, but he made a great play um, and kind of robber coverage there, and you know, immediately had his eyes on um, Marcus Rosemi Jackson. You know, uh, very early on, and and was breaking hard towards you know making that play. So I mean, that was just a good defensive call by Auburn. Um, I think that. Auburn's defense uh, deserves a lot of credit. Um, I saw number, uh, I think it was number 50 for, for Auburn. can't remember his name, but, I mean, that guy had Tate Ratledge on his butt the whole game. I mean, it was crazy. Not, not Tate Ratledge. Uh, I saw him do some stuff to Tate, but he was both of our guards, you know. Um, Dylan Fairchild, he was dominating him up front, really making it difficult for us to do anything, you know, up the middle. So, Hats off to him. I think that kid's a, a real player. So, uh, you know, th- that definitely affected our ability to run the ball. Um, but Carson Beck, I, I'm just blown away with this kid's ability, um, honestly. Like, I mean, he is – he's he knows where the pressure's coming from. He, he's got a good sense for, for where that is. Sometimes I wish he could, you know, uh, you know, get it to, to the more open receiver sometimes. But – he knows where that check down is. I mean, we, you know, Dejan Edwards blew on that uh, on that Rara Thomas um, catch where he almost scored a touchdown, where he was making a cross, it was going across the middle. Dejan Edwards, you know, did a horrible job of scanning the line of scrimmage and completely missed the the inside backer coming in and went for the outside backer um, instead of that inside backer who was the most immediate threat to getting to Carson, but. Knowing, knowing the routes, knowing the coverages that, that he was looking at, was able to just get it out and, uh, you know, get it to Ra-Ra, and Ra-Ra was able to run for a first down. Um, there was another screenplay at the beginning of the game that didn't go for any yards that we were running, but he had pressure right in his face and had the, the wherewithal to, to just get it out um, you know, and throw it around that running back, incomplete pass, but no sack, um, no interception on the play. Blown away by, you know, um, his ability under pressure to to get the ball to where it needs to be and to not turn the ball over. I think he does a great job protecting the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can't talk enough about 
about Brock Bowers. I feel like, you know, I know a lot of people were you know, saying that, you know, Carson's not going through his progressions. I, I disagree with that statement all around, but, you know, he is the best player on our team and, you know, we're going to design plays and if he's open, he proves that he can, you know, if you throw it around him, he can bring it in. Right. So, um, you know, he, he is kind of a safe haven for, um, for Carson at times, but, you know, not a bad safe haven to have. I feel, I feel like we need to honestly keep feeding him. Um, but some of the other receivers need to step up. I thought it was good to see Lab McConkey coming back. Um, thought that he made you know, a, a difference in the limited amount of playing time that, that he was able to get. Um, but I, I think that, that we're coming along. It's just, you know, right now we just – the biggest thing for our offense is we need a gut check on that offensive line uh, running the ball. I think that, that uh, you know, that'll kind of free up things with Carson a little bit if we're able to be a threat running the ball. But right now we're, we're really not a threat running the ball, averaging, you know, 3.6 yards a carry, which is not very good. Um, so – um, you know, I, I was pleased, though, with, with everything I saw, you know, from, from Carson and, and what he was doing. And then, you know, th- there's not enough compliments to go around for Brock Bowers. But um, I am I am yeah completely sold on, on Carson Beck. I mean, the guy, you know, is out there averaging 300 yards a game right now. I think he's got 1,497 yards. So he's three yards away from averaging 300 over five games. Uh, pretty unreal. And, th- yeah. Like I mentioned at, at the at the top of the show, I mean, this is, you know, Jordan Hare Stadium, a border rivalry. You know, you got Cam Newton out there dressed up like a complete doofus, getting the crowd all jacked up. Charles Barkley's in the stadium. You know, you've got everybody is there for, for this game. You know, you're going to get everyone's best shot. We're the number one team in the nation. And uh, to, to come out of Jordan Hare um, with a W is, is huge. And I'm, I couldn't be more pleased with the dogs and, and the outcome of this game, but I know that we're going to get better because of it. So those are kind of my, my, my thoughts on the offense. I know that, you know, some of those takes with, uh, you know, Carson aren't necessarily the hottest, but I think that, you know, before the end of the year, I mean, we're going to be looking at a guy that, you know, statistically, um, you know, is going to have better, a better year than, you know, Stetson ever had. Um, and that, those are strong words, but, um, I mean, I really do feel like this is the guy. I mean, that was start number one on the road. Like, I mean, this this wasn't just, you know, um, you know, go go to Vanderbilt and, and throw the rock around to get used to, um, you know, playing in another stadium. No, this was the dang, you know, Auburn Tigers, Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, 3.30 kickoff. Like, I mean, that's – and, you know, Kirby said this, this guy was never rattled the whole time. Um, just doesn't feel that that kind of – pressure, which is, I think, crucial and, and uh, keeping a level head. I mean, you know, we've gotten behind in two games now, South Carolina and, and Auburn, and we've been able to, you know, gather the troops and and, and keep moving forward and, and come out with W's in both games. So um, all around, just pleased with the dogs and how we played, man. Yeah, I don't think – I think that – as many people have said, it, it, Georgia is being compared to Georgia of the past, and we're just maybe not that team. But also, there's only like 20 unbeaten teams to this point, and not all of them have played a bunch of ranked teams and really great teams. There are a lot of teams that have had relatively easy schedules, and they haven't been able to navigate it. And should be, should we be ranked number one? I'm not necessarily sure about that. I don't think so. And the bottom line is the college football playoff will 
Um, we'll determine that in a couple of weeks when that comes out. We're not going to be ranked number one unless we, you know, start dominating teams, and that's fine. We're going to have our cracks. We're going to have our chances. We're going to have opportunities just as every other team, and the ranking shouldn't get anybody bent out of shape. But I will say, for anybody getting bent out of shape about the rankings, the truth of the matter is, and the bottom line is, is that no one has separated themselves from the pack. Georgia did not start number one last year. And the reason we became number one was one reason and one reason only. We beat the ever-living shit out of Oregon to start the season. It was like 66-3 or something. I forget the exact score, but it was an insane beatdown of a fellow top 10 team. That jumps off the page. That makes somebody say, okay, I think the closest team that you could say that's done something like that is Texas this year. And fine, you put them at number one. I'm totally cool with that. I, I, you know, put Georgia at six. I don't care. Put us at nine. I like, we will get our chances. We'll get our opportunities. And at the end of the day, if we take care of business, we will be in the top four. But I do think it's just funny that some people talk trash and I'm like, well, the bottom line is, like, do you want to be a mid-season champion? Do you want that number one ranking six weeks into the season? I mean, if that's that important to you, please take it from us. I, I could care less. All I care about is in week 15, Georgia is standing atop the podium. Kirby is hoisting that trophy again, and we're back-to-back-to-back to back to back national champions. Now, to kind of finish and loop back to a couple points you made, uh, I agree. Carson Beck, top 10 in the country right now in receipt and uh, passing yards. So, yeah, I just feel like and it's not like he just stacked yards against one team. I feel like he's been very consistent in getting around 300 yards a game. Uh, I also think other than Carson Beck, we really or other than, excuse me, Brock Bowers, who's rated 30th in receiving number one in tight end of receiving yards uh, in the country right now. We really don't have anybody in the top 100 of receiving, which is a detriment in some ways because it says, okay, like we don't maybe have another true playmaker, although I really would love to see Arian Smith, you know, kind of become that deep threat that we've always wanted him to be. But I also think it says we've got a lot of reliable guys, and I think that we can spread the ball around. And that's, to your point, one thing that Carson Beck does really well is he checks down, he finds the open receiver. And the thing is, is our receivers are good too. That we have, well, they might not be the most flashy uh, core of receivers. I think that goes to Texas. Maybe you could argue LSU. What our receivers do bring is a certain reliability. Uh, when catching the ball. And I, I can remember very few drops this season uh, from our top receivers. And so that bodes well, because when you get into tight games, the bottom line is it doesn't matter if you get a 50-yard gain or a 15-yard gain. It's about moving the chains. And we do have a team that can move the chains. Um, I think we all would like to see us maybe be a little bit more explosive. But I do think that when you get into close games, you need to grind the clock out. You need to do all that things, especially if you don't have the run offense that you want. We kind of have it in just short, medium passes where we can pick people apart. But as you said, we do need to get that run game started because I think that really is the handcuff to our explosive plays. When you think about Georgia football, even going well back 
before Kirby. To me, it really comes down to the play action game. You get that play action game going well, and that's when you just hit them over the top for easy six points. Um, you know, that Oscar Delp throw that he made, yes, he should have made that. Yes, should have been a touchdown. Not the easiest throw to make, though, because there's it was not a – maybe it was a play action play, but it was not uh, – It you know, he had pressure and I feel like sometimes in those play action plays, when you disguise it well, it's just like you're just you see that wide open guy and it's just playing pitch and catch in the backyard. And you really don't have to be so precise, so accurate. You don't have to laser it in. You just throw it up and the guy's going to catch it most likely. And we have the guys who can catch it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So I totally agree with you. We need to get our run game started for no other reason than just to open up that pass game so we can build points. So we can also give our defense a bit of a rest because I think at times, you know, this has been the most our defense has played in a while. We're used to, you know, taking long drives or striking really quickly, defense getting off quickly and being up so much that it just doesn't matter. That's not this year, but maybe we can get there. Uh, any final thoughts, Kyler, before we move on? Yeah, I did want to talk about that specific play. Um, you know, if, if there was a, a very limited window there for him to to connect on that deep ball. And I think Oscar Dub definitely had a chance to get that. I don't think he got his got his head around fast enough to to see where, where Carson was putting it, but there, he was putting it a little bit to the left. And, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, Delp did not turn around and see that he was going to kind of throwing the ball a little bit to the left because if he, he misses to the right, there's a guy, a safety right there in coverage that's going to gonna get that ball. And so, you know, he should have started kind of breaking to the left a lot sooner um, than, than he did, and he could have had a better shot of making that play. But I like where he puts that ball because if he puts it to the right with a miss or leads him straight down the field, then uh, we're, we're definitely definitely in a bad spot. Um, with, with that safety over the top. So he, he tried to, you know, kind of throw his receiver open, but um, the receiver, you know, just didn't – Oscar didn't turn around and, and, you know, track the ball very well to, to adjust to, to get to where it needed to be. So I, I, I wasn't upset with that. And, and, you know, with the deep balls, it's not like we're throwing a ton of them either. Um, you know, just you know, every once in a while we've gotten a shot down the field and, and they haven't gone well. But I've got a feeling that, you know, um, like you said, if we can get some success, you know, in the ground game, kind of right there between the tackles, um, you've got to try to try it some. You know, you can't just give up on the on the run and just become this all out passing offense. I mean, this is the SEC. Um, you have to be able to to at least you know attempt to run the ball um, and, and hopefully have success with it. But yeah, that that run game gets you know uh, people's eyes in the backfield on the play action and stuff like that. Um, and that's when you start to see guys like Arian Smith getting ridiculously, ridiculously open down the field. And you see more of those explosives start to happen. And I'll say one thing, um, Arian Smith, a guy who came out of school as a speedster, he made some, and you mentioned this to me, Kyler, and I went back and watched a little bit. He made some incredible blocks. Um, and that is one thing I will say is we've got guys that, even if they aren't involved, they're involved. And that is one thing that you just have to love about this Georgia team, that they really are a team. And I think that they have kept that mentality. And you see it with guys like Arian Smith, who 
I feel like if they were maybe at a different team, if they had a different mentality, they would feel, hey, I'm this guy who can catch the deep ball. Why aren't you giving me the more opportunities? Me, me, me. I feel like Arian Smith is just a perfect example of this Georgia team. It's us, us, us. It doesn't really matter how the job gets done as long as it gets done. And um, I got to give a shout out to him because I do not believe he caught a single pass in the game against Auburn, but he was out there and, and he certainly contributed in a lot of ways to that win. And I think it's unsung heroes like that that are the reason why Georgia wins national champions championships. That's exactly right. I mean, we have a very, very selfless team. Um, you know, the, the buy-in is is there under Kirby. And, you know, we got players like Marcus Resume Jackson and, and, you know, Arian Smith that, you know, don't really get a lot of limelight, but they're not afraid to stick their nose in there, block for their teammates and open up, you know, holes for, you know, the their teammates so that they can get the get the glory. So um, you know, love, love seeing that. And, and that, that's always going to, going to be there with, with a Kirby smart coach team. You're going to have that buy-in. If you're not bought in, you're not going to play. Uh, and, and I love that. So, um, yeah, hope, hopefully we continue to, you know, grow, a, grow as a football team as well. And not just, you know, be beyond the connection piece, um, and start to, to really put it two teams here in the future. Yeah, I agree, Kyler. And I'm going to hold off on kind of speaking further to that. I would like to speak further to that, but going to save it for the Kentucky discussion at the end of the podcast. Now, last week, we talked about all the undefeated teams left in the land, kind of broke them down, who we thought were contenders, who we thought were not contenders. Now we're five games in. For most people, that's about you know, almost, almost a halfway point, a one game below the halfway point. So I don't know, 42% of their season, something like that has, has already happened. And so Kyler with 42% of the games done, we've got a lot of teams with a pretty large sample size and not all of those teams have been able to be undefeated the whole time, but it's not hard to think that maybe one or two of these teams might win the last 58% of their games might end up still in the playoffs. And so I kind of wanted to push the brakes a little bit and talk about the teams that have one loss and and get your take on whether or not they're a playoff contender still. Uh, yeah, just your overall thoughts and feelings on these teams. Some of them, you know, we could even start with West Virginia, a team that I think a lot of people wrote off they played the first week of the season against a pretty good Penn State team. It wasn't a great uh, game for West Virginia. They lost 38-15. But you know what? West Virginia showed a lot of resolve, four straight wins, uh, Pitt included. Maybe Pitt's not so good. Texas Tech, maybe Texas Tech's not so good. At TCU, maybe TCU's not so good, but they continue winning. And honestly, you look at their schedule, no Texas on that schedule. Only, uh, you know, they do have some difficult tests and the fact that they got to go to Norman, uh, that's going to be difficult. I think BYU's a solid team. And then you've got teams like Houston, OK State, UCF, Cincinnati, Baylor, that all are going to be, I don't think, the easiest outs, but also it's navigable. Like, what do you think about West Virginia? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, the only loss that they've had is to a, a team that I think is elite in, in Penn State. But, um, you know, I, I do want to see them, you know, see if, you know, that was kind of a turning point in their season. You know, I, I'm still not completely sold on them, but 
you know, definitely more, you know, sold on them than, than I am, you know, uh, a team like, let's say, Iowa, who, who's also a one-loss team that was completely shut out by Penn State um, and also lost their starting quarterback, even though that doesn't really matter. Offense isn't really a thing um, there in Iowa. I'll get into that in a little bit. But, um, you know, with, with how West Virginia's been playing, though, you know, um, since that loss, I mean, you know, they're, they're still a team that's in the hunt for the Big 12 um, and very much still a contender. But um, do I think that they'll they'll live up to the billing? I, I don't. Um, I really don't. But, you know, uh, you know, hats off to them for, you know, uh, for losing to Penn State and then just the, the, the kind of resolve that they've, they've shown and, and, and rattling off four victories right after. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody thinks that they're a national championship contender. I mean, they really, they, they kind of, I mean, yes, they, they scored a lot against Duquesne, but against everybody else, they've really topped off at 24 points. With that said, I mean, you look at the game against at Houston, that seems like a winnable game. Oklahoma State at home seems winnable. UCF on the road, BYU at home. The only game that really doesn't seem winnable at all is against number 12, Oklahoma. I, I mean, is there is there like some sort of, I mean, do you think, I mean, what's the likelihood that you think that they are able to run the table in, in less, you know, in every game other than that Oklahoma game? I mean, it's it's highly likely. You know, seeing how the rest of the schedule lays out, that's one thing that really stood out to me. And, and who knows what happens in that Oklahoma game. Um, you know, Oklahoma, you know, they're, they're probably going to have a loss um, at some point, maybe maybe this week. You know, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, you know, I I would say it's, you know, they've probably got, you know, I would say a 40% chance of, of, of making it, um, you know, to the to the Big 12 championship at least. And, and if, you know, they win there, you know, and they've got one loss to, a, you know, let's say it's a, you know, a top 10 Penn State team. You know, that's uh, – they're making their case for um, – you know, being being in the being in the playoff, which is just kind of crazy to think about that. You know, it's even a possibility. But I do think that 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 that's something that could happen, um, you know, with, with uh, kind of how their schedule legs that lays out. Yeah, I mean, Kyler, if we're if we're getting down to it, I guess something weird could shake out. But I think a lot of us believe that. I mean, Kansas State might have something to say before before it's all said and done. That's a team that we might be able to maybe talk about next. But if you're talking about them beating Oklahoma and going to the Big 12 championship, then I think the most likely opponent would be Texas, who might at that time be even number one if you're talking about the playoff rankings just due to their strength of schedule. And I mean, if Texas is is number one and and West Virginia comes into that game eleven and one and beats them, there's no doubt they're going to the playoff. And what we've seen with with teams too that have made it to the playoff after a loss, what really helps is if it's the first game of the season. I feel like by the time that you get to game thirteen, people have forgotten about that first game if you have proven yourself time and time again. So. I really think that, uh, yeah, I mean, wait, uh, th- that West Virginia certainly, uh, you know, has that potential. Now, I think we both agree that they uh, just, uh, yeah, they don't have enough offensive firepower, I think, to win all those games. But I even think, I mean, listen, I think, what is it, Neil Brown is their coach, and he was very much on the hot seat. Everybody thought he was gone, and he's got the team really rallied around him, really playing hard. 
and I, truly, I think that a 10 win season is not, it, it would be an incredible story. And I think is something for them to shoot for. And I think that that would include a nine and three regular season. So they drop, you know, the game to Oklahoma and then one other game. And if they can win the bowl game, I mean, 10 wins, that's a team that I think was predicted to win like five going into the season. So uh, huge for them to do that, even though we both kind of agree that they're probably not quite to the level of an actual contender. So, Kyler, why don't we stick in the Big 12? We'll talk about the other two teams. And one of those teams, actually, West Virginia is going to link up with. That's BYU. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fighting Mormons or the Cougars, however you want to want to call them? Uh, their one loss was on the road at Kansas 38-27. Uh, they beat in Arkansas on the road, and they beat Cincinnati at home. We'll see. You know, they, they get a bye week this week, and once again, uh, they do get Texas and Oklahoma on the schedule and West Virginia on the road, as we talked about. But um, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and at Oklahoma State and at TCU seem like a relatively manageable schedule. But, I mean, are you bought in on BYU possibly contending in the Big 12? I'm not. Um, I mean, I know that they played uh, Kansas relatively close, and that was a a Jalen Daniels-led Kansas team at quarterback. Um, wasn't their backup, so I know that they competed hard there. Went on the road to uh, um, Fayetteville and, and beat Arkansas as well. Um, you know, so you know they've had some some good games, but I just think that the schedule is a little too tough um, for them to you know, uh, rise to the top. Like you mentioned, Texas and o- Oklahoma, there on the schedule. I do think this is a good team, but, um, you know, don't really view them as, as a true contender in the big 12, but, you know, in, in their first year, you know, as a, uh, you know, as part of the big 12, you know, def- definitely impressed with, with how they've played so far this year. But, um, I think that the, the talent level with, um, on their schedule, even West Virginia, like we mentioned, um, I think it might be a little too much for them to overcome. Yeah. I, I- I think maybe BYU less so than West Virginia, just given how much of the precarious position that West Virginia started in. But either or, I think one of these teams probably will slide at the end of the season. And I believe one of these two teams will end up with 10 wins on the season. I just haven't decided who it's going to be because I think it pans out easier for West Virginia, but I don't know. I don't know if BYU is better and maybe it might be predicated on that game. Now it's at West Virginia. So maybe I'm leaning more to West Virginia being that surprise team over BYU, but I think eight or nine wins um, on the season would be good for BYU. And as you mentioned within the big 12, it's not a bad start to your career in a, you know, upper division, but as we've seen with teams like TCU, uh, I feel like the Big 12 has done a good job of recruiting really high-level teams from other conferences who have really, really made an impact and noise more than some of the other teams in, who have been added to some of the other conferences. But uh, the other team that we need to talk about that is undefeated and I feel like really, really lying low right now is defending champion Kansas State. And if you look at their schedule, they also have a incredibly easy schedule other than a trip to Texas on November 4th. They play Oklahoma State this weekend. They're at Texas Tech. Then they play TCU at home, Houston at home, mentioned that Texas game, Baylor at home, at Kansas, 
That'll be an interesting game. And then Iowa State at home. But I, Kyler, I think that Kansas State, if their one game is a three-point loss at Missouri, I mean, I, I feel like this is a team that is maybe the most underrated team in all of college football right now. This is a team that's unranked that, yeah, lost to a top 20 team on the road. Yeah, they haven't really played anybody, but the other teams they played, they had a pretty good time with them. You know, 45 nothing Southeastern Missouri, 42-13 against Troy, and 44-31 uh, versus UCF. I know none of that, like, is insane, but it's also – I don't know. I think that the country's undervaluing them, and it would not surprise me if Kansas State is in the playoff at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, how are we going to deny that? Um, you know, the two-time reigning uh, Big Twelve champions are are not actual contenders. Um, they've proven it two years in a row. Big win over you know playoff team, uh, you know TCU, and then the year before they. Um, I'm pretty sure they went nose to nose with uh, was it Baylor, Oklahoma State, but yeah, I mean Kansas State is uh, you know their only loss, like you mentioned, was Missouri, and you know uh, every dog fan um, you know listening knows how tough that a uh, place that is to go play um, a road game. So I, I've got a, a lot of faith in them to do well, and I think that you know that game in Austin is going to be huge to determining yeah whether or not they're going to be making the the playoffs this year. But I think it really boils down to that game. I think that they're that good to, to kind of handle the rest of their schedule. You know, you never know with Kansas if, if their quarterback is, is going to be healthy. It's always a, a really good rivalry game. So, I mean, that's two games that kind of stand out to me on the schedule to, to look out for. But, you know, I have them as a legit contender. And that this, this program deserves, you know, uh, more credit than they're being given right now. Without a doubt. And as I say, the schedule lines up pretty well. I know they do have to go play at Kansas, but I think a lot of Kansas's success is going to be dependent on whether Jalen Daniels is healthy. And back injuries, as we know, with Ladd McConkey can be a real, real fickle thing. And if he's out the rest of the season, I know their backup's not bad, but it's, it's very navigable. And I think Texas flipping the script and looking over at their schedule has a pretty difficult schedule. I mean, they play Oklahoma, they get a bye, then they go at Houston, they get BYU at home the week before that they get that they get Kansas State, but a little bit more difficult than some of these other teams. Kansas State has an easier time before they get to that point. Um, and so and BYU does too. And so it's easily possible that those teams come in a little bit more fresh than Texas in yeah, Texas, I feel like has turned the corner. I do expect Texas to be undefeated. I think they're that good. I think that they're going to get to the playoff, but they're not they're not above reproach, at least not yet. Um, we might see that from them as the season moves on. They're the best team I've seen thus far, but they could lose. They absolutely could lose. And I think that Kansas State, of any team, has the ability to knock them off because of the offensive firepower with Will Howard, Giddens at running back. That's a that's a really good offensive team, and they've got a sound defense too. It's going to be a great game. I'm really I think that is going to that's that's going to determine who wins the the Big 12. And it may honestly end up being a rematch where we see both those teams meeting up again. I believe they play in Jerry World for their championship game. Now Let's move on, Kyler. Uh, I know you talked about a team that you said you were not sold on, 
and that's the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, why aren't you sold on Iowa? They got the win last week, four and one. They're they're a team. I know Cade McNamara is out, but like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, I, I get the, the the who cares sentiment, uh, but I mean, I'm not ever gonna gonna say that I was a contender until uh Ferenc's son Kirk Ferenc's son is fired as the head coach apparently I, I I work with uh with an Iowa Hawkeye in my office and apparently there's a uh you know, the contract for his son is if if the team averages under 28 points a game that uh he he has to relinquish his duties as the offensive coordinator. I will say and it's tw- it's 25 points Kyler and actually the cover 3 oh, wow. the cover 3 guys <laughs> the cover 3 guys do a great thing uh Bud Elliott over there does a breakdown of what he thinks they need for every game he like has allocated points based on this contract but you are absolutely correct it's 25 points a game that he needs to get and I don't think he's He's there right now. Maybe it's it's close. It's close. Yeah, it's close right now. And, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of Iowa fans are, are, are hoping for some very low point totals this year to try to get get some uh, um, some a new face in there at offensive coordinator. But but yeah, I mean, obviously their defense is, is, you know, solid special teams, all of that. But, you know, getting shut out against you know Penn State, that, that's absolutely inexcusable. It just can't happen. I mean, I know that Penn State's a really good team, but you know that you got you got to step up to the moment, um, and they just they're just not going to do it. I mean, but their schedule is is you know not not very difficult. Um, you know, I'd say probably Wisconsin and Rutgers are the two you know most difficult games that they have left. So I mean, they could be sitting at the end of the season um, with one loss, nonetheless, um, and, and you know ha- have a berth to pet play. You know, whoever's on the other side that. Um, are all just kind of beating each other down um, at some point, you know, with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and now throw Maryland in the mix. So, um, but I think that their season really boils down to, you know, a game with uh, with Wisconsin. Um, it, it's in Madison. So, um, you know, I think that that's, that's really what their season is going to rest upon. But, you know, don't, don't put it past. I would have dropped a game because they can't score any, any, any points on offense. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do not have them as a contender. No, I don't think I do either. But it is crazy to think about that. Like they beat Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. They could muck up all those games and win. And then let's say Penn State, they just something weird happens. Penn State ends up getting to the uh, getting to the Big Ten championship. Maybe it's a round robin and. Michigan State and Ohio State and Penn State all beat each other and through some sort of labyrinth of uh, tiebreakers, Penn State ends up making it to the uh, to the championship game uh, against and actually I think it's ranking so this is probably not likely because most likely if they all beat each other, it will be Michigan who's going but um, just on this like crazy event or uh, who knows what happens but if Iowa beats Penn State, let's say in the championship, avenges their only loss, but like just looks terrible doing it, and it'll be interesting to see what the playoff committee does with that. Uh, I think they could end up being one of the more fascinating teams, especially if they somehow get it together, maybe with this backup quarterback and play somewhat competent. Because I do think, I mean, their defense is always one of the best in the country, but 
uh, yeah, it's just fun to think about. And I know these hypotheticals we run through and then two weeks down the line, I was lost to Purdue and to Wisconsin and it's a mute point, but it is, uh, it is interesting. And I, I do think that they have the capability to at least make the playoff race somewhat interesting, although I don't think they're there. And I also think earlier in the season, I was thinking it was going to be like an insane like an insane season, everybody's got two losses. I'm less inclined to believe that, but if that is the case, Iowa certainly of those two lost teams is probably not going to get taken because um, that's probably opening the door up to three, four, five, six, two lost teams who could all have an opportunity. And I just think that we've seen teams like that, like Michigan State, when they made the playoff, kind of reminds me of this Iowa team. I know Michigan State was a little bit more competent on offense, but we all saw what happened. I mean, that was probably the worst playoff semifinal that I've ever watched. Uh, Michigan State just getting totally just destroyed by um, by Alabama. I mean, maybe there were some others, but anyways, we maybe had, Georgia, Michigan. Maybe Georgia, Michigan. No, Georgia, Michigan was pretty intense, but it wasn't that bad, dude. That game yeah. was like forty-two nothing or something. Uh, LSU, Oklahoma. Yeah, that was pretty bad too. But yeah, there are. Listen, we could we could debate, but But the point is, is they got got absolutely smacked around by Alabama, and that's the kind of team that that Iowa kind of looks like. You know, as a team that you know somehow weasels their way in and then just gets absolutely just slapped around in a semifinal game. If that were to take place, you know, exactly. It's it's a team that is good against good teams because good defenses, I believe kind of rule the day. And so it it reminds me of sometimes these early times in Georgia, where we get into these low uh, in particular, that game when Auburn as a top 10 team came into Sanford and we beat them like 13, seven, the only touchdown was a, a pick six. And it was just like, you know, you just grind it out, but yeah, those those and yes, you can win games that way and you can get to bowl games and you could even get to maybe 10 wins depending on your schedule that way. But when you meet up against a Texas and you meet up against, uh, let's say, even in Alabama, Jalen Milrow, Jalen Milrow might throw three interceptions, but they're only getting nine points on that. And Jalen Milrow is also hitting you for, you know, a 70 yard run for a touchdown and a 65 yard bomb. It's just you get you get to certain teams and it doesn't matter what your defense does. You have to put at least some points on the board. And I was not that. Which which let's just move on because I was we're spending too much time talking about a non-contender. I'm sorry, sorry Iowa fans, all those that listen. No, I'm kidding. I don't think we have any Iowa fans that listen unless your friend at work listens. But we move on, uh, fellow Big Ten West. Uh, affiliate Wisconsin, you know, Kyler, uh, I know it is uh, Luke fickle first season at in Madison. I got to be honest with you. I'm not totally sold on them. I'm sold on the future. If we're buying stock, I'm buying Wisconsin stock. Cause I do think it's going to rise in the near future, but I just feel like them right now, I don't know. And, you know, they're only lost at Washington State. That's not anything to to frown at. But I got to see more from Wisconsin. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, I I want to see more from them. But, I mean, I'm, 
I do think that they are a contender. I, I don't want to say I'm necessarily sold on them. I got to see them uh, go toe to toe with Ohio State before I truly make that judgment call. And you know, uh, probably you know, uh, at the end of the month, you know, um, that's when they will play Ohio State. But but yeah, like you said, uh, one loss to a Washington State team on the road. Um, and, you know, honestly, I'm looking at Washington State as a good team right now They're, until they give me a, a reason not to believe that, um, you know, went up against a, you know, a Georgia Southern team that, that has a pretty good offense, held them to 14 points. Um, so, I mean, they had pretty, pretty good defense over there, too, um, at Wisconsin. And then, you know, I think they have one of the best running backs in the country in Braylon Allen. So, um, you know, who knows what can happen in, in that Ohio State game? Now, I don't think that they win it, but. You know, if they're able to eat up clock and, and you know, kind of uh, muscle their way um, down the field and, and, you know, get some touchdowns and the defense plays well, you know, anything can happen in that game. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm still considering them a contender and, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on them and just kind of see how, you know, their season continues to progress, you know, and if they can, their offense continues to, I mean, you know, outside of that Washington State game, I mean, they're, they're averaging over 35 points a game. And so, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's a real shot for, for this Wisconsin team, an argument to be made that they could, uh, you know, um, really, you know, be an actual, you know, person there in the Big Ten championship and make a run at, at making the playoffs. Yeah, Kyler, you know, maybe I'm discounting the Washington State. It's never easy to travel the far distance way out there to Pullman, Washington, to go out on what they believe they call the Palouse. Uh, so the, the bottom line is maybe I am looking at Wisconsin saying, hey, they haven't really beaten anybody, but that that loss to Washington State may look better and better as the season goes on. As well, the schedule does pan out decently well, not quite as well as Iowa because Iowa avoids Ohio State and Michigan. But the bottom line is Wisconsin gets Iowa at home and they get Ohio State at home and Camp Randall – it's a place that gets jumping around. And yeah, so I think that we'll have to see. I'm interested to see the Rutgers game this weekend. I think we're going to talk about that in a bit. But I think if they show a dominant performance against Rutgers in Iowa, I might be quite convinced that they can go toe-to-toe against Ohio State later in the season. That Washington State game really does hurt, I believe, from the perspective of if they were to win that game, if Washington State were to continue down the path of being good, man, that would be a great win. And if their only loss was Ohio State and maybe Michigan um, in the in the Big Ten championships, who knows? I mean, probably not getting in with two losses. Or if they beat Ohio State and Ohio State only has one loss and then they lose to Michigan or something, it makes a very interesting case for that um, – for who gets that that spot, the second spot maybe, if the Big Ten were to get two one-loss teams in. So uh, I think they're an interesting team to watch out for. As I say, I think that they're a year or two from being really true contenders in the Big Ten, but they're one of the teams that I feel like the stock, if you're looking like they're $10 now, they're going to be 50 or 60 or 100 or Apple stock possibly in three, four, five years because Wisconsin's got a great program. And what we've seen from Cincinnati coaches who jump up has really been nothing but great things. So why should we think it's anything different than um, as Luke Fickle makes his jump to Wisconsin? 
I believe that covers the the two one-loss teams in the Big Ten. And I will mention, we aren't covering the teams that we covered last week. Rutgers only has one loss, but we covered them as an undefeated team last week. We're not going to rehash our thoughts on them because nothing really has changed. A lot of the teams that we thought weren't going to be contenders lost last week. So, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Now, uh, let's move to the ACC, and I will also include Notre Dame in kind of the ACC discussion. So first, let's talk about the only one-loss team, Wake Forest. Uh, I do not believe they are a contender, Kyler. I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to make a bowl game. Of one-loss teams, I, I kind of feel like they are the weakest, or or maybe not the weakest, just the most vulnerable, because they have not – They've not really shown much. I mean, they, I believe the game against Elon, they were in it to the end. They had to scare off ODU at the buzzer. I think they hit a field goal to to win that game at the end. And yeah, just not really shown me anything to trust them. And their schedule doesn't get any easier. Uh, but maybe you see it differently. Man. I mean, I mean, the fact that they're even in the discussion as as a one loss team, I think, is is kind of a joke. Uh, I mean, they, I think that this is one of the worst teams in in, in college football, definitely in the ACC. Um, you know, losing to a Georgia Tech team that just got beat by, I believe, it was Bowling Green, um, lost to them by two touchdowns. Um, keeping around ODU, um, you know, Elon, you know, played them tough. This is a garbage team. You know, hot, hot garbage, um, and, and just you know, unequivocally not not a contender in any any form or fashion. This program is on the way down. Agreed. Um, and I, you know, maybe not the program, but maybe this season it just isn't there. And you know, I do think that uh, Wake Forest seems to just recruit up from where they are, and so yeah. But I mean, you lose a guy like Sam Hartman who's been with the team for so long, you can only expect to go down a little bit. Maybe they find their their way and are better next year. As I say, I do love their coach, uh, but how long is he going to stick around? Because um, at some point in time, you got to believe that Clawson might decide, hey, there's an opportunity to actually win a title with what I'm doing. Who knows? I, I've also heard he loves Wake Forest. He's a little bit older Maybe he just stays and maybe Wake has a magical year, especially the playoff is expanding. So that's something that's really exciting. I feel like especially for teams like Wake Forest, who uh, on an off year might go ten with 10 wins, be able to get into the playoff. Um, but you look at their schedule. I mean, at Clemson this weekend doesn't look good. We'll talk about that in a minute. At Virginia Tech, I think that's a winnable game versus Pitt definitely winnable game so you know you can get to five wins but then it's at florida state or versus florida state at duke versus nc state notre dame syracuse it's going to be tough to get a win in any of those games so i i don't know we're gonna i I would say of all these teams with only one loss i would put wake as the most likely to not make a bowl game and i think you agree now let's move on and talk about, as I say, the independent, but they kind of are associated with the ACC, and that is Notre Dame picked up a big win at Duke after the heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. The really 
tough tour for them continues this weekend. They go take on a newly ranked Louisville. Then they have to play USC at home. They do get a little bit of a reprieve with Pitt, but then they have to go on the road at Clemson before they kind of finish out the season with some easier contests home against Wake Forest and at Stanford, who has really not looked great. But I feel like Notre Dame is is right there. But, man, I don't know if they're going to be able to make it through that stretch of at Louisville. I do think they beat them. I don't know if they're able to beat USC, though, the next week. And it's only just because, I mean, four straight games like that, that's really tough. Uh, and if they do – I mean, props to them because that is – I don't think anybody's got as more difficult four-game stretch in the country. Quite a gauntlet that they have, you know, ahead of them. I mean, you know, if you include the last couple games, you know, what, what a heartbreaker for Duke. And i got, got to mention that, you know, fourth and 16, whatever it was. And, yeah, Sam Hartman just nutted up and, and you know, built his team to victory. So, hats off to him and what he did there on the road. That, that was a tremendous uh, yeah, team win for them. Um, but you know, another tough road game in Louisville this week, um, you know, Louisville's got a pretty tough place to play. They have a passionate fan base. So, you know, anything can happen there. I do think that they pull out the victory, but I'm super excited for that, that game against, uh, Southern Cal mainly because I want to see, you know, what this team does, uh, Southern Cal, um, and how, you know, Caleb Williams is going to perform against a good, um, Notre Dame defense. Um, that, that's something that's really, uh, you know, Really got that one marked down as, as a big one that, that everyone needs to keep keep an eye on. And then, you know, I think the Clemson's on the up and up. You know, I think that they could drop that game as well on the road um, against Clemson. So, uh, but I do have them as a contender. They're, they're a good team. Um, so I can't take them off of the contender list. But, man, man they've got a, they got a road ahead of them. Um, you know, these next, uh, you know, th- three or four games are, are all going to be challenges. And, and if they can answer the bell to, to each of those challenges – um, I mean, yeah, you've got you're you're looking at a, a potential you know playoff team right here because the only loss would be to a to an elite Ohio State team. Absolutely, and I also think that if chaos does reign and there ends up being a two loss team, and let's say their other loss is by three at Clemson, I think they're the first team you look to, especially if they have a solid win against USC, if Louisville ends up being at least an 8, 9, 10 win team. If Duke maintains themselves, which we've talked about, we think Duke is a pretty good team. We think they're, especially defensively, incredibly sound. And so, yeah, I think that they're the team to watch. On the flip side, it's like, yeah, if some team loses two games and somehow ends up in the playoff, right now I would say the first team on my list would be Notre Dame. The second team on my list, though, if it were to be that way, would be Oregon State. Of one-loss teams, that is. Now, there might be some undefeated teams that end up uh, in a two-loss position. That's a totally different conversation. Now, why you say, Matt, why is it Oregon State is the second team? Well, it's just the opportunity that lies there with getting quality wins. Um They get California on the road this weekend. I think they should take care of business. UCLA, uh, who is also a one-loss team but lost last weekend, so not going to talk about them. It's a winnable game. At Arizona, a solid team. At Colorado, solid but winnable. 
Stanford, and then they get Washington at home before they play, I believe the game formerly known as the Civil War, Oregon, in uh, a game that's already a night game on the road. That's going to be tough. But I say that just to say, I mean, if they rack up game wins and then let's say they lose to Oregon in the last game of the season on a field goal, I mean, their only loss is going to be on the road at Washington State. You think Washington State's going to maintain themselves at least on some level. Uh, yeah, you got to think that it's a possibility, especially if somehow they're able to back themselves into a um, into a conference championship game and then let's say avenge the loss against Oregon. Uh, that's why I do believe just from the schedule perspective, uh, Oregon State is that second team that if they have two losses, um, they're that team. And then, of course, if they have one loss, I mean, they're definitely going to the playoff because, I mean, they're they're running the gauntlet. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, still still a big fan of this Oregon State team, even after dropping the game in Pullman to, to Washington State. And I really like the way that the schedule really lines up for them. You know, it's kind of kind of like us in a, in a way that, you know, their biggest games are kind of stacked at the, the very end of the schedule. I mean, got through Utah last week, really, really put it to them. But it's a team with a good defense, um, yeah, veteran quarterback, um, yeah, elite running back. Um, they've got a receiver that's out there making plays every single week, number seven. Don't know his name, but, um, you know, uh, they've got talent on this roster, and, and these kids play hard, so – um, you know, they've got that, that kind of ramp up period, you know, the next, uh, you know, five weeks or so before, you know, they get to the, you know, Washington's and Oregon's and, and, and playing them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about this Oregon State team. And, and, you know, if they're able to close out the year strong, I mean, everybody's going to be pointing at them as, you know, um, potential contenders for the, for the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. And and I guess I didn't I kind of mentioned the scenario in which I think that they could be contenders, but I agree. They definitely are contenders. I think DJU, while he still isn't I mean, he's not the best quarterback in the country, but he's a good quarterback. He's a serviceable quarterback. With that defense, they should be in almost every game, I feel like. And so We'll see. I do think Washington's a little better. I do think Oregon's a little better. I think they'll win all the other games up until that point. And in those games where other teams are a little bit better, it's not always the better team that wins. So I think maybe we're going to definitely reassess once we get to that point. I'm sure those are two games we're going to talk about. And who knows, maybe Oregon State is the team that's really taking a big step. Maybe those two teams take a little step back. It's also about peaking, where you peak. Um, and we've talked about, you know, it's Georgia hoping to peak at the end of the season. Maybe this Oregon State team's a similar team, and they really surge at the end of the year. And as you say, the potential is all there. Uh, they just got to navigate what also what is some pitfalls in the, in the Pac-12, because the Pac-12 is good. UCLA and at Colorado, those are two games that are dangerous. I think they get around Stanford. At Arizona, even is a is a game that could be a loser because Arizona's playing better. I think they win this weekend at Cal, but uh, bottom line is is Oregon State certainly is a is a contender. Um, all right, we move to the final four teams in the Power Conferences, and that's four teams in the SEC. We got Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas A and M. Bama and Old Miss, or Bama, excuse me, and Texas A&M linking up this weekend. So 
one of those teams is going to have two losses after this weekend. So first, maybe talk about those two teams, Kyler. Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny you mentioned those two teams first. Um, you know, I think that both of these teams are contenders, and obviously this largely you know, depends on the outcome of the game uh, this weekend. Um, I believe that this is, uh, this is being played at Texas A&M, if, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 12th man, tough place to play. Alabama's not got really the the best offense, uh, you know, this year. And, you know, if Jalen Milrow has to, you know, kind of throw against this defense, I mean, Texas A&M's defensive line has nothing but absolute studs. And so this could be a tough game for Bama. Um, I definitely have this one on, on, you know, I guess we can call it upset watch, but, um, you know, I definitely have, you know, I definitely have changed my tone on, on, uh, Jimbo Fisher and his teams from the beginning of the season, they've have found a way to, um, you know, put together, you know, uh, you know, a formidable plan to, to, you know, pull everyone together. And I think that Max Johnson ha- has filled in very nicely for Connor Wegman. Um, and, you know, the, the amount of talent that they have on the defense, if they continue to improve, I mean, this is going to be a scary, scary team. Um, and, you know, the, that's the team that I think that, could really give the dogs a run for their money if they end up running the table um, and, and making it to the to the SEC championship. So keep an eye out for this A and M team, but, um, but but you know obviously I, you know you cannot rule out Alabama either. Um, Alabama is a Nick, Nick Saban coach team, and as soon as you call them a, a non contender, they you know, show you that you know, you're wrong, and, and we're going to be dominant the um, the rest of the year. So um, I I've got both those teams as, as potential contenders and. You know that this is the game I'm probably you know most looking forward to this weekend. Um, yeah, these two teams battling. Alabama's always had a really tough time with uh, with A and M, so it should be a good game. I'm excited. I agree. I think it's going to be a really good game, and obviously Texas A and M at home is a huge factor, I believe, in all of this because yeah, A and M has one of the most daunting uh, places to go play a game, and we saw that with their victory over Bama just two years ago. Now, Alabama, I think their ability to be great really is predicated on Jalen Milrow. And he's a guy who the ceiling is exponential. And so I think Alabama is a team to watch because they just have to get through this and hope that he gets to that other side. He's also a guy who may never get there. I mean, we've seen it with a – with a guy, you know, with Anthony Richardson at Florida, who has all the tools in the world to just throw a cannon and and just can't could never be accurate. We're seeing it now, honestly, with Joe Milton at Tennessee, and that's a team we will talk about next um, a little bit. And so, I think that really, yeah, I think Bama's ability to be great it really is predicated on. Jalen Milrow's ability to be accurate because there are too many good teams and they played a really good team in Texas who will absolutely take advantage of that will beat your defense even though Alabama's defense may be one of the best actually excuse me certainly is one of the better defenses in the country with that said if you allow teams easy points it does not make things easy. We saw that with Georgia this weekend. We allowed a, some easy points against Auburn, and honestly, that's what made the game much closer. And if Georgia were to pull that against uh, 
a better opponent, we would be in a ton of trouble too. The difference is, is that uncharacteristic fumbles, that's one thing. Or if we show a sign that we're fumbling, okay, that might be a problem in the future. What we can say is Carson Beck isn't making terrible reads and really throwing into the defense. I do think there was one ball that was badly thrown, but Jalen Milrow has five, six, seven, eight uh, a game. And as long as that happens, I do think it, you know, that is going to come back to bite Bama at some point. Um, Max Johnson, he can be more of a game manager, and and I think he has been. I want to see him play this Bama defense. It's going to be a very interesting contest. I tend to, I don't know, I tend to lean AM. And I know I continue to pick up against Bama actually recently since they've lost. And I continue to lose, but there also just feels something about this Bama team just hasn't clicked yet. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's uh, it's going to click this weekend and I'm going to say, okay, now I get it. Now I see it. Everything's over. But even against uh, Mississippi State, if it weren't for Mississippi State making some terrible errors, I mean, Mississippi State was in that game and threw a bunch of um, interceptions and things and gave Bama easy points. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not sold on Bama and Texas A&M. I feel like maybe that Miami game really was the wake up call that they needed. They've played more consistently since that loss. And it was on the road none, nonetheless, uh, since Bama, I feel like, and their win against Texas or their loss against Texas. But uh, it, I don't know if you want to add any thoughts. I'm taking AM in this game. I don't know if you want to talk about who you're taking or move straight to Tennessee, but take it away, KC. Yeah, I'm going to go with AM. I've kind of been feeling them lately. I know that, you know, Jimbo has, has played uh, Saban quite well the last two years. So, um, you know, and, and feeling like this defense is finally starting to gel a little bit with the amount of talent that they have. Um, you know, they should be good. But, um, yeah, I feel like this weekend will, will, you know, answer those questions for us. Um, and you're exactly right um, with uh, Jalen Milrow. He is, you know, um, what the success of this team is predicated on. And right now, he, you know, it seems like passes between like five and 20 yards. He's just completely off the mark um, or is not reading coverages. But, you know, um, can do amazing thing with his legs, has an, an awesome deep ball. But if he, you know, figures out that, that mid-range passing game, you know, starts to further develop as a quarterback and his ability to read coverages. You know, you've got a scary, scary offense there in Alabama to, that'll be backed up by a good defense. So, you, you know, I can't call them, you know, not a contender at this point, but I, I'm leaning this this weekend, um, A&M. Leaning on the Aggies. Yeah, I like it. And as I say, I think it's the home field. If you don't necessarily know, maybe Bama wins in Tuscaloosa, but yeah, College Station, I feel it. I think that AM uh, is able to get the win. Uh, as I said, the next team that I want to talk about, Tennessee. I don't know if, if you have a different thought. I am not sold on Tennessee. And fascinating enough, the one thing I'll say is they have a bye this weekend, then they play Texas A&M at home, and then play at Alabama. So we got a little bit of a round robin between A&M, Bama, and Tennessee. They're all going to play each other in the next three weeks. Uh, so that's kind of fun. That's kind of an interesting thing. And the bottom line is I think one of those teams is going to come out as a very, very strong contender. One of those teams is going to uh, fade. And one of those teams might be, you know, 
a little worse off or uh, just maybe status quo um, unless they all go one and one. But I kind of feel like A&M might go two and oh, Texas, uh, Alabama might go one and one. And I hate to say it, I think Tennessee might go 0 and two. But tell me what your thoughts are on Tennessee. We'll give you a little bit more after we talk to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to talk about that gauntlet, um, I love to say it. Um, Tennessee 0-2 through that. I, I'm not sold on this team at all. I think that their defense is a little bit improved, but um, obviously offense has taken a major step back from last year um, with Hendon Hooker as the quarterback. And, and Joe Milton's just, you know, this is why he wasn't the guy at, at Michigan as well. The guy is just very inaccurate, and um, I think they're in a world of hurt. I mean, I, I – I want to see, you know, where their mind is with playing the the true freshman, you know, how they're bringing him along. Because, I mean, I think that, you know, he's got all the qualities to be a great quarterback and everything. But, you know, it's tough to to throw a th- true freshman out there um, into the heat of an SEC battle. But um, that, that guy's definitely the future uh, of their program. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sold on Tennessee. Um, you know, that, that's kind of what these uh, – you know, uh, Josh Heupel offenses are, are kind of, you know, they're extremely explosive and they score fast, but that, that's not really happening this year. Um, and it's putting a lot of pressure on that defense to, to perform well. So I do not have them as a contender. Now they did over exceed our expectations against South Carolina. We picked South Carolina. I think we both said South Carolina was going to straight up win that game. The bottom line is South Carolina's lines are just so bad. I think that the sad part is, is I think around there, the lines, if you were to carve that out, they've got a pretty good team, but we're not playing seven on seven, unfortunately. It is a full 11 on 11, and it's just not, uh, yeah, it's just not working at um, up front for, for Beamer. That I guess is that, is Beamer ball up front play? I, I guess it's not. Um, but as much as anything, it's really, I just want to say the schedule that is working against Tennessee. To your point, they're not as good as they were last year. I don't think they can just go and outscore opponents. And it's going to be fascinating. As I mentioned, they're on a bye this week, so they will remain with just one loss. They get to host Texas A&M the week after that. And who knows, maybe they can catch Texas A&M off guard. Texas A&M is a team that is going to be coming off of probably a very emotional game this weekend against Alabama. And I do think that there has been some inconsistency with Texas A&M in the past, high highs, low lows. Do we see that? Hey, it's a possibility, Kyler. But then after that, we've got Alabama on the road. The week after that, at Kentucky. Then they get home against UConn, which UConn is 0-5. It has not been a good year after they made a bowl game last year for the Huskies. But then they go on the road and have to play at Missouri after that and then home against Georgia and home against Vanderbilt. That Vanderbilt game and that UConn game both should be wins, definitely should get at least six wins um, on the season. After that, I mean, it's good. It's tough. Uh, do I expect that Tennessee wins at least one of the games? Texas A&M, Alabama, Kentucky, Missouri, Georgia. Yes, I do. Could they win two? Yes, I think they could win two. Do I see them winning more of two than two of these games in that stretch? Honestly, I don't. I, and so I think that had it been maybe last year's team, hey, this would be exciting. Who knows what they could do? 
Uh, this year's team, not that, not as good. And to your point, um, when you have an offense like that, if they take a step back, I feel like it takes that much further of a step back. The team does because it was, you just outscoring opponents. Um, when your defense takes a little step back, maybe the offense can pick it up a little bit, but when you put so much on your defense, um, and your defense isn't very good, it also allows games, I feel like to get out of hand, um, and so I, I don't know. I just I think that Tennessee, I've, I like Heupel. I just think this is going to be a down year for them. And I think then maybe next year, to your point, they'll they'll have their you know freshmen come in and kind of take over. And and I think that they could be a very a very good dominant force um, in the East or in I guess undivisions next year. I think they will be a better team next year than they are this year. I'll say that. I don't think they're like out of the mix. I think Heupel is there to stay. And yeah, it, it'll be fascinating to see where they go from this year. But I, I just don't, th- that schedule is just brutal. Um, honestly, other than Notre Dame, I think they probably, and maybe even Notre Dame included, they have the, one of the most difficult schedules in the country. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, it's a gauntlet. You know, I, I don't think they, you know, leave this season with more than seven wins. Um Tennessee. So um, it's a tough road, especially when you've got a quarterback that's not very accurate. Um, you know, I, and I love to see it. I'd love to see it. Um, you know, I feel like Tennessee fans every year feel like that they're, you know, on the precipice of, of being, you know, um, you know, able to beat the dogs and, and be an SEC East champion. But, you know, honestly, you know, I don't see it happening for another 30 years. So. Uh, that makes me very happy. Always going for the jugular, Kyler, when it comes to Tennessee. I love it. I love it. Never, never quit that that momentum and just that that grit and pure hatred for the Volunteers. It's uh, it's always a welcome uh, a welcome occurrence on this podcast, at least. Uh, I won't go that far. I think they they will have their day sooner than thirty years, but I do think that. George is going to make it tough on them. There's no doubt about it. And as much as they've recruited well and they're going to continue, you know, I think improving, Georgia also has that potential with every class that we bring in that's top three, top two, top one. So uh, as we've seen with Alabama, I do think that Georgia is finally kind of there. And even if we don't win the national championship this year, that doesn't really matter um, in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about, like, I think we have to have two, three, four years to finally say, okay, Georgia's not at that elite level. I mean, Bama's never won three in a row. What we're going for right now is basically unprecedented. So uh, bottom line is we're here to stay. Um, the other team, because as I digress into just my Georgia fandom, we got one more other team to talk about. They actually are playing the Bulldogs, Skyler later in the season. The one other one loss team, Old Miss Rebels. And what I'll say about Old Miss is I think a lot of people expected the most difficult stretch of their schedule to be Alabama, LSU, on the road at Alabama, at home against LSU. As we know, they lost to Alabama, but then they flipped the script and beat LSU 55 49. It was a big win. And now. You know, they get Arkansas at home. They get Auburn on the road, Vandy at home, Texas A&M at home, at Georgia, UL Monroe, and at Mississippi State. You know, they could definitely be 
I believe seven and one going into Texas A&M at home. And if they win that game, eight and one going into the Georgia game. And yeah, that game's going to be possibly very interesting because like, let's say that Texas A&M beats Alabama who beats if everybody, I could see a potential scenario where every team in the West has two losses. And so that Georgia game well, Georgia might have clinched the SEC uh, East, although we do play Tennessee after that game, so likely not. But if we talk about Tennessee not being that good, it's easy. It is actually easily possible that we've clinched it by that game. But Ole Miss comes into that game playing for everything because they've only gotten one loss. If they can navigate beyond Texas A&M, I think they beat Arkansas at Auburn in Vanderbilt. I think this is the most complete team that Lane Kiffin's had. And honestly, I just think Lane Kiffin gets in his head about Alabama, as I think Kirby Smart got in his head about Alabama until he didn't. So, um I don't I don't know um, if you have a different thought, but I do think that Ole Miss, just given the fact that they've cleared the Alabama LSU hurdle, is in a pretty good position to possibly make the to possibly make at least the SEC championship game. I feel a little bit differently. I, I don't think that a team that gives up, you know, 49 to um, to LSU is, is, is meant to be in the in the championships. Um I got them losing two more, losing to the dogs and losing to a and I think a and a better team. Um, and, uh, and here's the thing with, uh, with Ole Miss. I mean, I know that their offense is firing on all cylinders, but I feel like the, you know, the later the season goes on, the worse that this Ole Miss team gets um, on offense. So I think that, um, you know, that that's, that's not going to bode well for them. Um, and, you know, I, I do see them beating the Vandys and, yeah, you know, this year Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State's very good this year. Um, so um, I just don't see a way f- for them to beat you know A and M or Georgia. And so um, I-, I have them a- as a non-contender in my book right now. Even after the big exciting victory, which was probably one of the more entertaining games of the year last week. But um, you know, you know LSU is not not the old uh, DBU that they used to be. So. Um, you know, I'm not not as impressed with you know with their offense as a lot of people are. I think that they're you know once they start playing some of these good defenses that um, you know uh, they, they play Georgia and A&M. You know, it's not going to be that same story. You're not putting up 50 plus. You're not putting up 40 plus. You know, you might be able to put up a few touchdowns and, and you know score in the 20s, but um, you know it's just that, that's not going to happen week in and week out. So. Um, I've got them as a non-contender, man. Yeah, Kyler, I think in the end they will not be in the SEC championship game. I think it's going to come down, honestly, to who wins that game, Bama or or A&M, as to say who ends up in the SEC championship. Because both Bama and Texas A&M, as you remember, lost their games out of conference. Ole Miss already has a loss in conference that does put them a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to these other one-loss teams in the West that we're talking about. Um, The one thing I'll say is that LSU has been a really great offense. Other than the second half of the Florida State game where they went MIA, They've put up a ton of points on everybody. And listen, we're going to find out more from LSU this weekend. They're going to play Missouri at Ferret Field. But if they put up a ton of points on Missouri, who's got a pretty good defense, I do think that 
you may take that LSU or, or the Ole Miss game with a little bit differently as we go through the season. I mean, if they run through, if they put a ton of points up on Bama too, who uh, has, I definitely think, a very good defense. Yeah, I think LSU, um, their defense is their issue. To your point, they're not DBU right now. They're, they're letting leaks go uh, left and right. But I do think the offense really hasn't been an issue. Jaden Daniels playing out of his mind right now. So we'll have to see. But um, but I we tend to agree. I think that they're a nine-win team, um, solid, but not enough to get over the hump. All right, well, those are the one-loss teams. We'll have to see, Kyler. We'll check in. We'll play another fun – I call them games. I call them things. But have another exercise. Maybe we'll look at two lost teams next week. Can any of them get back? There's honestly probably too many, so maybe we'll pick the top five teams like LSU. Does LSU have an opportunity? We kind of have a spoiler alert this week. No. But nonetheless – uh, we'll continue doing this as the season goes on. And I think it's a little bit more interesting than just saying this game happened. This was the breakdown. All right. A little bit more forward thinking. You know, I feel like a lot of podcasts, they just look back. We want to look forward at the schedule. We want to say this is what's in front of them. And this is how we see it going. Not just this team is this or that team is that. Because as we know, so much of it depends on the schedule. It depends on when you get games and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I, I think we did a good job of breaking that down. Uh, what we did not do a good job of, Kyler, is picking betting lines last week. We went one in five. It was it was pretty pathetic. Kyler, we picked our Georgia Bulldogs, minus 14 and a half at Auburn. Wrong. Pick Syracuse, plus six and a half at, versus Clemson at home. Thought they could come through. Garrett Schrader did not play well. Clemson's defense showed up. Clemson's offense showed up. Very wrong about that. Thought Kansas could possibly keep it within 16 and a half at Texas. We're wrong about that. Although, honestly, I think we both picked it thinking that the starter, Daniels, was going to play. Jason Bean, a good quarterback, not a game-changing quarterback. Washington, we were very sold on Washington. I'm still very sold on Washington. Minus 18, though. Arizona kept it close. And I don't know. It, it, Arizona seems like a feisty team. It seems like they're starting to turn the corner. Picked SC plus 11 and a half at Tennessee. Yeah, that definitely didn't happen. Uh, Tennessee dominated that game. Good on them uh, for coming back from a pretty miserable performance uh, against Florida. And then finally, Maryland minus 14 versus Indiana. We did stop the bleeding there. We got one win on the board. Uh, Maryland dominated that game. And so we're going to try to do better this week. Uh, I don't know if we're going to. Um, don't trust us after last week. You would have, if you really relied on our picks and you spent a lot of money, you lost a lot of money. But I'm feeling better about these picks. And I'm going to go ahead and say them, Kyler. We got Maryland plus 20 at Ohio State. Uh, we did it last week. We rolled against Ohio State. It didn't work. Uh, but screw it. We're doing it again. Uh, Kansas State, the Friday night matchup at Oklahoma State. They're minus 12. We talked about it earlier. We think Kansas State's really good. And we haven't talked much about Oklahoma State. But what we've said has not been great. Uh, I don't. I do not buy in to, to Oklahoma State. We talked about Wisconsin and did c- consider them to be contenders. 
But we've been sold on Rutgers all season, and we're going to continue that train. They're plus 14. I think Wisconsin wins this game, but I think it's closer than 14. I'll let you say whether or not you think Rutgers might win it outright. I don't think so. Um, Texas State, 4-1, and one, I think, or 3-1, and one, only one loss. They go on the road, play fellow conference, the Raging Cajuns in Louisiana. We're going Texas State. Texas State's been been solid, and we've rode on them a couple times. They've done well for us. We're doing it again. I did say that we'd have a little bit of a spoiler about LSU. We're taking Missouri plus six and a half. Quite frankly, I take Missouri outright. I just don't think LSU's got it together, especially in their secondary. And if you don't look now, Luther Burton is leading the country in receiving the last time I checked. So that's not a good matchup for LSU. LSU might be up and down. They could win this game by 30 points, quite frankly. I, this seems like the team that is Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You're not going to know who shows up. The talent's all there. But Missouri's a steady team. And going back to Kansas State, I think Kansas State's really good. And if Missouri beat Kansas State, I have to believe Missouri's pretty good too. So we'll ride in Missouri. And then the other game, we bet against Clemson last week. We're betting for Clemson this week. They're minus 21. Talked about how we are not buying into Wake. And we both believe that Clemson's kind of righted the ship. And they actually, of the two loss teams, might be the best two loss team in the country. Uh, maybe we talk about that next week. But anything you want to add to our six pack, Kyler? Hopefully we go more than one and five this week. Yeah, I'll kind of do a quick little rundown. You know, I'm kind of, kind of mimicking a lot that. Uh, you had to say as well, but yeah, Clemson, um, you mentioned riding the ship. I think that, yeah, this is a good team. Um, just took them a little while to, to, to get things going, um, played very competitively with, uh, you know, I think an elite Florida state team. Um, and then, you know, flip side of that Wake Forest, everybody knows my opinion now on Wake Forest from, from earlier in the show, um, team's pretty donkey, donkey garbage. So, um, it was easy for me to, to go with Clemson there. Um, Texas State, just, you know, I really like what they have going on offense there. I think that they are going to be able to light up the scoreboard this weekend and and, and yeah, take a W um, off of the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Um, you know, Rutgers and Wisconsin, I definitely do not see Wisconsin uh, covering, but, I, you know, I do have them winning this game. I still think Wisconsin's a good team. Um, and, and their style of play just – yeah, I don't think there's going to be a ton of drives in this game. I mean, they, they run the rock a lot. Um, they have good defense. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. So I just don't think that it's, you know, we're really going to have the ability to get, um, you know, uh, you know over two touchdown win out of uh, Wisconsin. So we're going, going with the Scarlet Knights there. Um, Kansas State, I think, is a quality team. Um, you know, they had a tough loss on the road at Missouri, so – um, you know, I think that's a really tough place to play. I think they still have a really good team, good quarterback and Will Howard, good running back and Giddens. So um, we're riding them over over Oklahoma State. They're the you know the Cowboys aren't what they used to be. Um, so yeah, okay, we got we've got K State there, uh, Mizzou uh, on the road. I, I would I would yeah put put money line on, on these guys this weekend, like you mentioned. Uh, uh, I think his name is uh, Brady Cook or whatever the quarterback is name quarterback's name is i think that he's playing terrific they've switched over luther burden to the uh, to slot receiver this year um a position i believe that that love it probably played last year for them and, and he has just had tremendous success and so i think that he continues on that success and starts absolutely torching 
um, defensive backs for um, uh, for LSU. Uh, so I, I would go money line there, and then Maryland, uh, yeah, same same kind of thing as uh, as Rutgers. Think that they um, you know keep it within striking distance of Ohio State uh, with that twenty points. It is kind of a scare of a, of a backdoor cover there, but um, I, I've got I've got Maryland here. Um, you know, with uh, covering the, the 20 points um, against Ohio State. These are the games we agree on, folks. And and I would agree with uh, what you said. It might be a backdoor cover. I, neither of us believe that Maryland is going to beat Ohio State. We just think that they're going to keep it within 20. And maybe it's they get back to it being within 20 on the back end. But I, either way, we feel like it's going to end up as a 20-point or less game. A few other games that I'd like to quickly go over, Kyler, before we get into what actually has turned out to be uh, the biggest game to this point, uh, a ranked Georgia versus a ranked Kentucky. I can't – when's the last time that we had a ranked-on-ranked night game? I'd have to go back and look. Maybe last year? I'm going to check that out. But before we get to that game – do want to talk first Red River rivalry, as they call it now. OU, Oklahoma, Texas, both unbeaten, linking up in the Cotton Bowl. Is there one team you're really leaning on, uh, or is it a game that you kind of feel like could be a toss-up? Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning towards uh, Texas. We kind of know what they're about, um, you know, Pretty elite offense. I think Quinn Ewers doing a great job. Had maybe one bad pass last weekend. Um, A.D. Mitchell's really, really coming into his own there um, in Austin. Um, obviously, Xavier Worthy on the other side. He's, you know, extremely fast. They have another good slot receiver. Um, finally, remember the name of the, the running back there, Jonathan Brooks. He, he's had you know, quite a start to his season. So um, that, that offense is, is rolling. And the amount of talent they have on defense is undeniable as well. Um, Anthony Hill Jr. is out there making plays, Jalen Catalan. Um, so, I mean, I, I just think that they're overall a better team than, than Oklahoma, uh, although I do you know, think Oklahoma's good this year. Um, I, we've yet to see them go against, uh, you know, quality talent this year. So this will be their first, you know, big test in a neutral site and a massive rivalry game. So, you know, anything can happen. But uh, if I'm leaning one way, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards the horns. Uh, I think that they, they win this uh, – Pretty convincingly, you know, on paper looking at it, but we know it's a rivalry game, so um, yeah, everybody's definitely going to be tuned in for this one. No doubt about it, and I tend to agree with you, Kyler. Uh, what we know about Texas is they are a really consistent team, and while I do think that Oklahoma certainly has taken a big step from where they were last year, have they taken a big enough step in step with Texas because Texas is taking steps forward too. It feels like Texas might be a year or two forward of their rebuild than Oklahoma is. I think Sark as well as Venables are going to be there for as long as they want to be, but I do think it's going to take time to kind of get your guys. I think Sark finally has it and we're going to have to see if, um, you know, if, if Oklahoma is there yet, Uh, I, don't think they are, but maybe they surprise us. Maybe their defense is better than what we thought they were um, or what we think they are. I mean, Venables is a defensive guy. And he's going to have quite the test because I do think Texas's offense is 
the best, if you know, one of the best in the country, if not the best. Um, so it's, yeah, it's going to be fun though. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. And I think of the noon games, that game is the, the one to watch. Uh, but then again, you know, Hey, we got a bunch Maryland, OSU, LSU, Mizzou. It's going to be fun. Uh, moving to the later afternoon schedule, a game that I wanted to just quickly check in on Wazoo UCLA. Wazoo goes to UCLA. Do you think that Washington state continues their, undefeated uh streak they are not favored actually in this game yeah this will be a good test for for washington state with with ucla um i know a lot of their big wins have been at home and so um this is a gonna be a a road game i am not sure how ucla i feel like uh you know we, we've talked about at length of how uh garbage you know the fans are out, out west on the west coast that might be more of a usc thing but um, nonetheless, it'll be a different environment where the, where the fans are not necessarily rooting for their, for them to win. But I, I've got Washington State. I mean, I think that they've beat some really quality teams this year, and, I, and I'm not going to back away from that until, you know, I've given another reason to, um, you know, say that Washington State's not that good. So I, I've got them winning this one um, against UCLA. Um, I know that UCLA's got the, you know, um, you know talented, you know, freshman quarterback, but – you know, we saw him, you know, play a poor game a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I'm riding Washington State. I would agree. I think that UCLA, I think their freshman quarterback is going to be really good. And I think UCLA moving to the Big Ten, they're going to make some noise next year. I think they're going to be the sleeper given all that USC has done um, recently and Lincoln Riley. And I don't know who's going to be stepping in in Caleb Williams shoes that's going to be big shoes to fill but I think the expectations are going to be really high for USC in the first year in the Big Ten I think UCLA is a team that the expectations are going to be lower but I think they're going to do some damage but I think that they're a little young right now and I think that Washington State uh, you know Ward as their quarterback has been excellent and I do think that he that 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 type of game travels, um, and and I think they put enough points on the board, and their all defense is able to slow down UCLA enough, uh, in in order to walk out of Los Angeles with a victory. The other afternoon game I want to talk about: uh, Syracuse going to visit UNC, the University of North Carolina. Do you think Hughes? was like how good is Q's we talked about it they had a manageable schedule had they beaten Clemson the sky was kind of the limit for them I feel like uh now not having beaten Clemson and not necessarily looked great in that loss do you think the losing continues I'll say I personally do I think that UNC is a playing much better complimentary football and while they've been in some games that have been a little bit more dangerous. Honestly, the only one that truly was like could have been a loss was App State. And if you look at App State, like they've got voodoo. They play in close games every single week. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. It's going to be a two-point game, may go to overtime. So I don't know. I, I think that this would be a big step for UNC, and I think they take it. But uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that UNC has this one. You know, I think that, you know, Drake May is just a terrific quarterback. That offense is going to be able to do good things. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if Garrett Schrader can can bounce back from you know his poor effort against uh, against the Syracuse Orangemen. But um, I, I got to roll with UNC here. You know, kind of kind of ride the hot hand a bit. Um, you know, I really like. I uh, think that Drake May, you know, outside of Caleb Williams, he's you know, and Carson Beck <laughs> for for our uh, Carson Beck haters out there. I think that. You know they're they're right there together for for top quarterbacks in the country. I'd probably give the nod to Drake, but um, yeah, gonna, gonna gonna roll with the the Tar Heels on this one. Yeah, Kyler, I think unfortunately it's gonna be another one of those seasons. Syracuse starts out really strong and kind of fades at the end. And I yeah, I do think Carolina's got a tough schedule as it moves on, and certainly um, it's not necessarily fully navigable. But man. They're not – it's not insanely difficult either. Uh, they get Q's and Miami at home and Duke at home. Really the most difficult game is at Clemson, and they finish up with NC State, but who knows with them. That's a team that I, I, ha, I would have to see it, believe it to see it, and I feel like in past they always stumble, and I don't know that they're – better this so much better this year that they could go undefeated but it's not crazy to think that maybe it's an undefeated florida state versus an undefeated unc uh in the acc championship game which honestly as a georgia fan you can't hate if i would love like let's say georgia does make it through and just by nature of us being a 13 and 0 team who's defending national champions we're the one seed I mean, bring on UNC like as a one loss ACC second placer. If somehow the the Big 12 implodes and there's only one team that kind of settles from the dust in the Pac-12, I think, I mean, of, of those teams of like a Florida State and any of the teams from the big uh, from the Pac-12, like UNC doesn't scare me all that much. So. Uh, just something to, to keep an eye on. Um, obviously that's a lot of what ifs, but, uh, that's a team as you get down to it, you're like, okay, they can make it. And kind of like a TCU, I'm not worried about them making it. Uh, not unlike when we ended up meeting up against Ohio state, I was like, oh gosh, I really don't like this matchup because Ohio state is by far much better than TCU. And we saw that, but so, Kyler, you know, there are some other interesting games, but honestly, we covered them earlier in the program when we were kind of breaking down the one-loss teams. But is there anything outside of what we talked about that you, has your interest peaked where, you know, you're, you're going to tune in, it's must-watch, even though it's kind of outside of the the top games in the week? No, I mean, I think that we've, we've covered everything throughout the show, whether that was Maryland, Ohio State, LSU, and Missouri, um, you know, Notre Dame, Louisville, or, you know, Wake Forest and Clemson. We, we've kind of touched all the bases. And so we've kind of highlighted the the games that need to be on everybody's radar. Um, also throw in Alabama and Texas A&M. You know, we, we've hit on all, all of those um, games at length. And so, yeah, I think that we should, you know, talk about the main event now. I'm just going to bring up one more game real quickly, Kyler. I'm going to say – Fresno State visiting Wyoming. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Undefeated Fresno State trying to stay undefeated against a team that has been very good, just a one-loss Wyoming team, their only loss on the road at Texas. 
in a game that many of you remember was tied going into the fourth quarter, I believe, uh, before they got kind of <laughs> the wheels fell off. Texas scored three touchdowns, but that's fine. Um, and what's cool about this game, I'll say, is it's on Fox and uh, it's an 8 p.m. start. And I do think that's I can't remember the last time that a Mountain West game was on Fox. Maybe there was one last year, but and and maybe I'm wrong. I kind of feel like maybe there they have had games, but at times when or the American has, but at times that there's no other game going on. But there are some other games happening, and they could have slotted those games into that evening spot. Yet uh, they slotted Fresno State at Wyoming, and it's a good matchup. It's two good teams, and I like that. It's like showcase everybody. Um, I think college football is better when you showcase more teams and you show like good football is good football. So last game that I just wanted to, to add in there. I like it. I think that will be a quality game. You know, uh, Wyoming has really shown out this year um, and it's been a tough place to go play. Um, Fresno, obviously still undefeated. have pretty sure they've been kind of working you know, everyone they've been playing. So um, I should to, to see the outcome of that game for sure. I think I got Fresno, but I could see it going either way. And I think that that's one of those games because it starts a little later, 8 p.m. Hopefully the Georgia game will finish up and be able to watch, a, just catch the tail end of it. And hopefully it's exciting. Speaking of Georgia, talked about it. Uh, biggest game of the season, Kyler. Uh, it's, you know, we, we've covered a couple hurdles but against teams that have shown to not be very good, South Carolina and, and Auburn, and in both of those games had to come back from double-digit deficits. Uh, in both games, I would say more so the Auburn game, that we still felt in control for much of those games. But the test ratchets up. We welcome Kentucky, the number 20 team in the country, Kentucky coming into the this game as 5-0, and undefeated, uh, wins against Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, and most impressively, their win this past weekend against Florida, 33-14. We talked about it earlier. Ray Davis rushed for 280 yards, and we've also talked about our rushing defense uh, is not great. Uh, so this doesn't appear to be maybe the best matchup for Georgia on paper, but I, I guess give me some, give me some ray of sunshine. Give me some ways that you feel like we might be able to exploit the, uh, the Kentucky defense. That's very good. And then on the flip side, how are we going to stop this rushing attack? How are we going to finally step up? Like who needs to step up? Yeah, schematically, I think it's a completely different uh, rushing attack than than what we saw last game uh, versus Auburn. I mean, I feel like uh, Ray Davis and, and and Florida really kind of uh, just went man on man up the middle, um, you know, between the tackles. Whereas Auburn was, you know, pulling you know two tight ends around the corner and and were you know trying to do their best to, to seal everything off to to let Peyton Thorne kind of run free out there. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I don't think our problem is, you know, the interior defensive linemen who, who are the guys that, that stop what Ray Davis does. Um, and so I think that we're going to do a much better job kind of containing him. Um, 
And so I think that they're going to try to finally use Devin Leary's arm. I haven't seen it yet this year to, to say that he's good, but you know, I know that they've got some talent at the receiver position. I mean, Barry and Brown, um, the guy from Nashville, he's on the Kentucky track team, which, you know, is not an average track team. It's one of the best programs in the entire country, you know, both men's and women, but Barry and Brown's a great player. Uh, their leading receiver right now is Tavian Robinson. He, he's a solid player. Dane Key's a, a hometown kid out of Lexington. I think that he's going to, uh, you know, get a lot of looks this weekend. So I don't think they're necessarily going to, you know, they're obviously going to try to run the ball, but I don't think they're going to have much success. And so uh, I think they're going to try to challenge, you know, um, you know, some of our defensive backs, you know, specifically Dalen Everett or, or Julio Humphrey, whoever, whoever's out there is going to, going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of tests, but um, you know, I just don't think that their offense is as good as it looked, um, you know, against Florida. I think that they just matched up really well going man on man against, against Florida. And I think that we have the guys down, down there, um, to, to, you know, contain Kentucky. Um, and then, you know, on the defensive side of the ball for them, um, you know, they've, they, that, that's where they really impress me. This is a very, very physical football team. They're very well coached. Um, you know, I, I feel like the two best players on their defense uh, are both, you know, from the Detroit area. Um, they got this one guy who is literally a clone of uh, clone of uh, Jordan Davis. Um, you know, flashback a couple of years ago to great defensive lineman for the University of Georgia. But you know, this kid went to Cass Tech in Detroit, um, 6'6", 350. Um, they drop him back in coverage sometimes. I mean, you never see a guy that size drop back in coverage. I mean, so um, he, he's an incredible force in the middle that, that eats up lots of uh, lots of blockers. So I think we're still going to have trouble this week um, running the ball against them. Um, and then, yeah, Maxwell Hairston is another – it's a guy that's had a couple pick sixes this year. He's an absolute ball hawk. Um, he's from West Bloomfield, same – same uh, high school as, as uh, Donovan Edwards from from Michigan, that running back. They've got some, as, as, yeah, quite quite a couple, quite a lot of talent in that Detroit area, and it looks like Kentucky's done a great job recruiting there. Um, and then they've got uh, yeah, Trevin Wallace. They got a really you know athletic linebacker there who's from the state of Georgia, from from Wayne County and Jessup, Georgia. And then uh, Keaton Wade's another name to look out for there. He, he's a kind of a hybrid guy, plays a lot inside outside. Um, from the Nashville area. So, you know, uh, done a great job with this defense, you know, plucking guys from you know, north of Lexington, south of Lexington to, uh, you know, uh, play some really good defense out there. So I'm definitely uh, definitely worried that the offense, you know, is 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 going to be able, not going to be able to, to really run the ball effectively. But I think that we see, um, you know, Carson Beck out there, um, you know, kind of, uh, willing us to victory again and, and targeting, you know, our guy Brock Bowers. Um, I do think that this will be a relatively um, low scoring affair just with the nature of, of, of them and how they run the ball. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of time ticked off the clock, not a lot of um, stoppages due to incomplete passes, but I do think that they're going to take their shots, but yeah, I've got, I've got the dogs in this one, man. Um, you know, believe it or not, but I've got us winning this one. Um, let's just say I'm going to go 27 to 13, 27, 13. So you actually do pick Kentucky if you're talking about the spread, cause I believe it's 14 and a half. I, I also tend to think that it's going to be a, a relatively low scoring affair. 
I think it's going to be predicated on the defense. I do think, as you said, we're going to stop the run better. And I also think that we're going to really key in on that. And as much as our run defense has not been great, our pass defense, I believe, is we're, we're limiting to uh, opponents to some of the lowest numbers um, in the, you know, in the passing game. And so that means something, you know, when you're in middle of the pack for run defense, you got to get it from somewhere. And we've talked about how good our secondary is, and it really has come to fruition. Now, we didn't really get tested against Auburn. That's not what they do. Um, we'll see about Devin Leary, but I know that uh, having worked with a couple Wolfpack guys, he's good, he's solid, but he also had uh, the ability to make some mistakes. And so I think that really the ability for us to um, get pressure and then I think the ability for us to hit some explosive plays um, is going to be crucial in this game because I do think that the yards are going to be tough. And so if we can get an explosive or two, to get out in a lead, we can really kind of coast in this game, I think, to a victory because I think that Kentucky's ability to run down team or Kentucky's ability to come back on teams, I don't think that that's necessarily the game they want to play. So I think if we can put them in that position, even though it might be a two-touchdown game, I, I still feel like I like our chances. I think that we do cover – but I do think it's close till the very end. I think it's 34-17 in the end. I think we might be coming back, but I think we end up having another second half strong performance under the lights. And Kyler, I looked it up, talked about it earlier. The last time we had a night game in Sanford Stadium against a ranked opponent, that was September 21st, 2019 against Notre Dame have not hosted a ranked team since then under the lights. So there's going to be something a little extra special about that. That's why I say we're going to cover just barely, but we will. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Kyler, before we sign off? You know, like you said, it's been since 2019 since we've seen, seen uh, you know, a game like that. So I'm pumped to um, see these teams go to war. Uh, this is going to be a physical affair. Um, and so – so yeah, I hope that everyone you know gets that gets that popcorn ready um, and is ready to you know pull these dogs to victory because we need this one. It's a big game and and I feel like there's going to be a lot of eyes on it um, at nighttime and, and so you know this is the time to to impress the rest of the country and show what we're all about. Absolutely, Kyler. I believe this is a real opportunity to kind of make a statement against a team that's been pretty good uh, this season. Uh, and the crazy thing is Kentucky has put up 13 points against us uh, in there. I believe these are all the games I went back and I think they've put up 13 points against us twice and zero points against us once uh, under Kirby. So they're averaging, I don't know, like eight or nine points a game in Sanford stadium. And I will say, I feel like every game we've played um, since Kirby has started have been pretty low scoring affairs uh, against against Kentucky because they do. They have a hard-nosed team, so I expect it to be the same. Just buckle up, and you know what, guys? Enjoy the ride. We're going for three straight, but the bottom line is I think we get so bogged down in perfection. It's like, guys, we're playing with house money. We just won the last two national championships, and honestly, if we lose, it's not the end of the world either. We can still get it back and still make a playoff if we go – 11 or 12 and one and win the sec so i don't know just enjoy the ride 
That's, you know, just sit back and enjoy the ride. All right. Well, for Kyler Carr, I am Matt Kerr. This has been another Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Check us out anywhere that you get podcasts. Check us out on Instagram, the underscore D-O-T-E-O-B. As we ride out, go dogs. Go dogs.